Welcome to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. I am your host, Claudine Wolk. You can find me at my Substack account, claudinewolk.substack.com. We're talking all about publishing and book marketing. If you have decided that you want to write a book and you're trying to figure out how to publish it, or maybe you've already written a book and you're trying to figure out how to market it, this is the podcast slash Substack for you. Our goal is to give you great tips, by example in some cases, to help you get your book seen and sold. So join us through the newsletter or the podcast today and get your book seen and sold. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star rating. Welcome to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. I'm your host, Claudine Walk. With us today is Judith Bryles. She's an author, a book shepherd, a podcast host, and from what I can see, an overall ferocious advocate for authors, which we love here on Get Your Book Seen and Sold. You can find Judith at her website, thebookshepherd.com, where you can find her links to every other social media you can imagine. She's got them all there. Her popular podcast is Author You, the letter U, Your Guide to Book Publishing Podcast. Welcome, Judith. Well, it's my pleasure to come and play with you for some time today. So So I found your um, podcast, and I love it. And it's just all help for authors all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's not fancy. It's not fancy. It's it's not bells and whistles. Um, um, And I thought, you know, maybe I need to get all to video. But then I did a few videos, and oh, my gosh, I felt like I was in a garage in one of them. (laughs) <laughs> and someone was sitting in their closet. I said, okay, I'm just going with the voice. I'm just going to go with voice because people are walking around. They're doing stuff. They they don't care so much about the video. Um, I, I have a, a live uh, Zoom I do once a month with, with uh, inductees in the, on the Authors Hall of Fame. And we always do because one of the questions I always ask is about their writing space. You know, what's your writing space like? And mm-hmm. and just recently we had one guy who was a military expert, and he says, well, it's kind of like this. And I said, well, show us. <laughs> right, right. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, it was great. He had more crap all over his floor. <laughs> he, he had piles of books. And it's perfect because I'm one of these people, when I'm heavy-duty writing, it is all out. Nothing is ever put away until I am done. Because, and I've always said this, and I've said this on my podcast so many times, sometimes the Tuesday brain doesn't tell the Thursday brain what it did. Yes. Uh, and I get that. Totally get it. Isn't that funny? So I, should, I, again. I have that brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I should mention that you've written, is it 45 books? Am I right there? Right. Okay, I want to make sure I have that number right. 45 bucks. Oh, my gosh. So you have so many great, great, so much great information to share. In the intro, I mentioned that you were a book shepherd. So Mm -hmm. for my audience members who don't know what that is, can you explain that? Well, you know, someone who does coaching, book coaching, um, I'm I actually one of my clients named me. And she told me, well, I've got to talk to my chef. And I said, what? (laughs) He says, well, yeah, you're my book shepherd. I ended up trademarking it. Nice. Um, and a, a book shepherd is really a guide. It's an overseer. It tries, it, it's someone who um, keeps trying to steer you in the right direction, but they better have a boatload of knowledge. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things I've always felt has been uh, my asset um, is that I really come from traditional publishing. I learned from traditional publishing. 18 of my 45 books were published by the big boys. And I was a really well-kept author. I mean, William Morris was my agent. Mm. You know, I was in play um, at the time. But I I, I crossed the bridge um, in 2020. And uh, and maybe it was, no, it wasn't 2020. It was maybe 2010. When Simon & Schuster, which was one of my publishers, when Simon and Schuster made this kind of arbitrarily, this is the way it was going to be. This is how we're going to pay you from now on. That your royalties, for those of you who didn't understand the full royalty business, is that the, it, for a hardback, the first five thousand copies you get ten percent of the retail price. The next five you get twelve and a half percent, and anything over that 
you'd get the 15% special sales. It could be half and half, you, you know, that. They arbitrarily whacked it in half and said net. We went from full-blown to net. So, you know, when I look at publishing today, there are four reasons why I crossed the bridge and didn't become, I never became a self-publisher, what they called self-publishing back then. I created my own imprint. I I created a small press, with Mile High Press, um, and I had to figure out how the big boys were doing it. You know, and and there were four reasons. And there, you know, it's about control. Uh, One of the things I learned very quickly, that once you turn in your manuscript, they don't give a twiddly bit what you think. (laughs) Truth be told, everybody, they don't care. And they don't want your input. Well, it's really important for me how a book looks, how it feels, how it displays out. Um, We got into our... uh, presentations, interior designs, where we started customizing them pretty early in the game. Um, So a button pusher for me is line after line after line after line after line after line boring text that you can so uh, goose things up to make it with some eye candy. So we we started doing that really early on, um, and we're ahead of the game. Now we're seeing big boys do it. Um, But Anyway, so it was about input, it was about quality, it was about having some control, it was about timing, you know, year and a half to two years now to publish with a big publisher if you get picked up, and the odds are so remote now, and um, and then it's about money, when, when you know, my words are my livelihood, um, and if you choose to keep them in, you're going to have less chance of making money versus getting them out to others and speaking on them. And and that, that I learned very quickly, that speaking was the number one seller of selling books. Um, and, if, and if for all our listeners, viewers, if you, if you are not out speaking um, publicly, getting hooked up with different groups would have an interest in, in your topic, your expertise, I don't care if it's fiction or nonfiction, that you are missing the boat because now you're selling for 100% of your price and getting paid today much better. Yes. Yeah, that's such an important point. You know, when you said that you're getting, the, I just want to make that double double down on that point, that you're getting mm-hmm. as an author with a traditional publisher, you're getting mm-hmm. a piece of the net that's that's gross minus cost (laughs) equals net so it is pennies it is pennies the typically trade paper book pays it can range from 47 cents per book sale to maybe 90 cents for a trade paper yes and so you know it's like you know, I want to take my authors. Let me sit you down, my child, and we'll hear. <laughs> and and it's you know when when I work with authors all over the world, and if your goal is to be picked up by a traditional publisher, I will support you. I will cheer for you, but you must develop Plan B, and the Plan B is the parallel. So, how long are you going to wait to be picked up? Mm-hmm. You know, let's. Let's do a reality check. Let's create a timeline. So if you keep developing, I, I think one of the shocks, and, and you know with what you do, Clyndine, is that most authors don't get that even if you're with Simon & Schuster, Penguin, Random, you know, fill in the blank, even if you're with the big boys, you, the expectation for 90% of all authors is you do all the marketing. And they don't get that. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, I just want to write. How many times have you heard that? I just want to write my book. Yes. Well, good. We need another book. <laughs> yeah, you're right, though. Lots and lots of times have I heard that. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, on the creative. And, and I think part of it is that they're afraid mm-hmm. that they can't do it. It's new. It's different. Mm-hmm. It's considered a business discipline. And, and they get a, a little business. scared, right? It is a business. Yeah. So you help authors. So let me, I just want to go back. When you made the the move from traditional to self uh, and creating your own imprint, was that was that scary? Or did you jump, dive well, right in? Here, well, here's how it happened. It started with a phone call. 
I was doing a speech in Seattle for a group. Their PR department called me and said, we're really looking forward to having you come. Um, and would you be willing to contact the publisher to see if we could get a discount? We'd like to get a few books. Okay. So I had just taken back the rights of a book. I bought the remaining inventory, all 60 of them. Hmm. When someone says a few, 60 is far more than a few. Sure. And I, and I said, well, if we could get you a third off of the, of the original price, would that work for you? And they said, oh, that would be so great. And I said, great. I, you know, I'm, I'm sure I can get that arranged. And they said, fine, we'd like a thousand copies. Oh, my well, gosh. That was the giant gulp. Um, because where, where have you been I'm, all my life? <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so I had a talk with the plant in the corner. And, and we decided we would do <laughs> That's awesome. So I was able to negotiate enough money. Um, I, I kept, and I, I think I even raised the price on the book. I, I kept enough money, um, that I could print. I ended up printing 2000 copies of the book. Now they came back and bought another 500. Wow. So, but now, now I'm in business. And so now I had to find someone because I wanted to do updates and rewrites too. Okay. So now I had to find someone to help me because I didn't know anything about and and i was very naive back then um to think because it already been edited by the internal editor back then publishing houses you know really did editing they don't do it so much now um that it had already been edited so i just wanted to fine tune and update some stuff so i wasn't worried about getting a new editor that wasn't in my radar then um now i i am ballistic if people don't get a couple of editing rounds in play um for and all my authors have two to three uh rounds over even what i do because i am a developmental editor on top of it so with that said um we i i found a a, a book designer who happened to work on one of my books with josie bass in um, san francisco that lived in denver where i had just moved to so i said uh, check <laughs> um and and then I tracked down a cover designer for like an audio company. Um, and that was the check. We did that. The only thing I really screwed up on was I knew nothing about printing. I knew nothing. And I overpaid for that. But that got that got fixed the second round. And um and and with that, um, we were now in the business. And we lived in Denver, the Mile High City. That was before marijuana came around. Um, <laughs> but we were the Mile High City. And so we became Mile High Press. And from then on, I have never, Claudine, looked back. Never. When I realized what I could make, and I was out speaking, you know, I, I spent like 150 days on the road. I was out speaking on my books. You know, it's how I sold a million copies. I'm out moving them and you know, doing them, and people just want to take you home with them. And that's why <laughs> we're saying speaking is the number one to say, because that they love how you tell a story or you supply solutions to the problems that ails them. Um, yes. It's a gift. Yes. Yes. It, and, it's a gift. And I, I just want to make the point again about how when you do that and you own the book and you do a speaking gig and you sell the book, you don't get a piece of the net. You get the total, right? The whole and thing. And they can't return them. We haven't even talked about returns. Well, they don't even care. You know, they're not going to return them. You're going to sign them. And they say, book. Yeah. Um, and it, it, you know, it just, now, now what no one told me when I started writing is that, because I only, you know, I only did, it was this class that I was teaching. It was on women and money. And I was going to do one book. No one told me that books bred books. No one told <laughs> me there was a breeding machine that outdid what the rabbits did. <laughs> um, um, and, and going along. And then, you know, it just started. And, and just last year, I crossed another bridge because I became a fiction author. Wow. Congratulations. So, so. That's awesome. That's um, <laughs> kind of silly. Um, but it's, it's a new challenge and it's fun. And, and the thing is, you know, now I have to be, um, you know, to, to, 
to remind myself, you got to write with the five senses. You know, have you got enough descriptions in there? Because, mm-hmm. and, and although really in the nonfiction arena, you have got to become a good storyteller. Nonfiction has evolved a lot where it was more factual. Here's, here, here's the problem. Here's the cause. Here's the effect. Here's the solution. Okay, we're done. Um, now you have to advance it and you have to bring things into play. So going back to the original question, what does a book shepherd do? Yes. Um, you know, one of the things, Colleen, that happened to me is I had an accident on the road, speaking gig back in 206. I had just finished speaking to 5,000 people. Um, we were going to stay over a couple of more days in Vancouver. I wanted to have high tea in Victoria. I wanted to see the Bosher Gardens. And I'm walking along, minding my own business, and all of a sudden I'm on my butt Oof. on the floor. And I had stepped on a gob of vanilla ice cream or yogurt. I ended up with a brain injury. Oof. Couldn't read for a year and a half. Oh, no. Um, I was booked ahead speaking a year. John, my husband, had to travel with me. He was like, wind her up, get her to the stage, and then put her to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a long time to heal the brain. Mm-hmm. What happened from that is I realized I could no longer do the extensive traveling with all the meds they started. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do it. My body would not handle it. Um, And I'd always help authors, you know, oh, you want to write a book? Let me introduce you to my agent. I'll introduce you to my publisher. Come on, let's get behind this book. And we'll, you know, you've got a great message. Let's get this out. So I always had that kind of, you know, pay it and play it forward attitude. Um, And then when I realized I knew a lot about publishing um, and I learned a lot and I'd helped a lot. And I realized that I could, um, and I was a breadwinner. I, 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 I can't travel. I've got to have, I can't take any more gigs. I've got to fake it till I get well. Um, that with my brain twist, I lost my skills to do any math. I used to be a math whiz. Mm. Oh, it's like, okay, well, let me count. I got to count. Wow. Can't, can't, I can't even balance a checkbook. <laughs> um, but what I can do is I see books. And what dropped in is I transitioned from that really left of brain. My brain changed to very right visual oriented brain. And so when I'm talking with a new client, they come to me and they tell me a book, I start visualizing, seeing what it looks like, what's it's going to feel like, how we're going to present it, how the cover will come in. I start visualizing, okay, this person is the perfect designer for the book. I mean, you know, as a book shepherd, I have a team of people I refer to. I don't get a nickel from them. I don't ask for anything. I just want you to do a great job. Um, and, um, and so, and so that's what I work. I put it, to, I see the book, I put it together, I work with them, and I teach them about the infrastructure of publishing. And, and then, you know, looking into what you do with the book launching and that is we have to start thinking marketing right now. You know, and a lot, most authors do a dirty word. We are not doing that. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are. Yeah, it's scary. You know, it means uh, this is going to happen. Yeah. And so I, you know, I start, so we're going to start making, we're going to have some fun. Like some of my sessions, I work with them. I said, okay, we're just, we're not writing today. We're having fun today. We're going to start making some of your marketing tools and I'm going to show you how to do it. So, um, you know, that's kind of what I do. Uh, Most people who do book coaching, uh, nowhere go to the depths where I, I want your infrastructure in play. Okay, so let's get this website together. You need a website, right? Okay, let's bring in this person. Let's get this creative. I'm gonna. I will edit. I will rewrite your content, or I have to do it myself. Um, but you need that. You need all these things because it's about building your influence um, yep. and taking you to the next level of of that type of thing. So, and how about uh, distribution? Do you help folks with that too, authors? Well, we start. Amazon's going to be your primary distributor. I don't care what anyone says, and and and, and no book book uh, publisher would say, "Oh, poo poo," um, that um, Amazon will always be your primary for for us. And so, you know, I have never been on the bandwagon to badmouth them. Thank God for Amazon, for the for the independent small press market, for the self. You, you know, you wouldn't be in operation without them. Yep. So. Um, so buy, 
<laughs> but but also I have a great relationship with Barnes and Noble. We do book fairs and support. I created something called the Authors Hall of Fame here, in Colorado, and um, we raise money that feeds. We give out ten thousand dollars in scholarships in the fall to budding authors to unpub. You have to be unpublished. This is not to worry, but we we want you newbies, you know, and we will put, give you a mentoring program that brings you up. So that's included with the scholarship. And it's, you know, each one's worth about 20K. It's a huge deal. Um, so, and that's that play it forward. That's, yes. That's the giving back um, mm-hmm. side that I do from my Book Shepherd hat. Um, and, you know, it's it's huge. But marketing, getting it in play is what I, I start thinking of the big picture instead of this little mini picture. I just want to write my book. no. We have to look at everything and let's, you know, and we're going to timeline it on how we're going to do it. So, so, so t- in terms of period of time when an author is working with you, she, someone, mm-hmm. he or she comes to you and says, hey, I have an, a book. I want it to be published. Can you help me through the process? What generally does that look like in month wise from we're starting to work with you to book is published? And, and and it's going to have a string attached here because it depends on what shape this manuscript's in. You know, I have said to some authors, this is such a great idea, but you are a sucky writer. So mm-hmm. we're going to have to get in and really clean it up. Um, um, and I, one of my authors says, oh, so are we going to judify this one? And I said, <laughs> yeah, we have to judify, judify it. I love it. Isn't that funny? Um, but it, it, it'll vary. I've had some books that I've been able to turn around within two months. Um, other books, I have one book, um, you know, I could have had a baby. Um, that mm-hmm. I have one book that's taking a full year because of the depth of what he tried to do and the knowledge and the massive rewrites and the technicalities with it. it this is a nonfiction book mm-hmm. um, that... It's taken much longer. I don't, and and I I am usually working with anywhere from five to ten books at one time. It's like I've got all these balls because they're all at different stages. Sure. Um, it's like you know with marketing, there's different stages where you have this little window. Okay, you can shoot and go through this. Um, and also, no one is hiring me. If you want to hire me full time, you're going to have to get out a big checkbook, <laughs> and that's why you know. Sure. So, uh, as when I'm working with people as as a book shepherd, you know, I give them easily eight to ten hours of my time a month, and we have other people because what they have to realize, people like me cost money, and um, especially when we're doing heavy duty developmental editing um, to get into um, get in that, and I don't do that so much for a fiction book. I have a an editor who is really good in fiction, who will really get into um, that side of it. But I can get it in shape to get it to that editor, which is what I do. Then as soon as I do the handoff, I am now heavily doing working on the backside with with the infrastructure to get it in play, to start really, okay, so marketing. Um, that, you know, all, all of my authors have been number one bestsellers on Amazon. Um, going that, you asked about distribution that we want to make sure that it is distributable to a bookstore. So we use Ingram Spark. I mean, the, the print-on-demand world changed everything, although it's become really expensive, um, increased prices dramatically, where we always, I mean, I used to do a print run for any new book of maybe 3,000 copies. Okay, we don't do that anymore. And here's here's the interesting news, everyone. Either does New York. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, they go back to print very fast again. Yeah, got it. Print on demand. How about it? Uh, yeah, you know, a form. I mean, the, the offset. You know, it used to be offset printing was so dramatically it would drop your. You know, right. you, you your book. You could have been four dollars a book, but we can get it down to a dollar yeah, seventy five. Sure. You know, um, and, and and it usually when I was uh, when I was out on the speaking circuit, which I spent over thirty years on planes that um that i my cost per unit that i was selling for would have been maybe i would make tenfold on it tenfold yep of of my printing cost wow yeah i know is wow Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's 
uh, printing costs have gone up um, everywhere um, across the board. But so the distributor going back for all of them, you would have Ingram Spark for to go to bookstores, libraries, and you would have Amazon um, for your major push through. And and one of the strategies for marketing that I would suggest is that you know I'm a big believer in where are oh I'm going to show you something that I do I I make let me just bring this down for every book I do I will do something like this All right this is my new historical fiction series okay this is if this just popped this week nice right? so the secret Hamlet I will put the cover. And then this is to ask for a review. Right. You know, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, I'll give you a couple of ideas, what resonated with you, what worked, what did you like about it. This is a link to Amazon. Please post a review. Okay? Wow. I put it in every book. Nice. When, I, when I'm signing a book, it gets put in kind of in the middle. I am going to add something new to it. Hmm. I am now going to put, because when you're on Ingram, they automatically open it up to the bn.com. I'm going to put in the link for the Barnes and Noble and say, would you please post here too? Yes. So, you know, and it, when you do that, um, Barnes and Noble has been very, very friendly to the small press author. They really, with their new CEO that came in about three years ago out of England, they really want to get the community um, pulled back in. And I know when I go in a Barnes & Noble store, I don't know if you ever talk about with your marketing with the typical bookseller sells in a store. Do you get into that flooding with your people? Um, no, not specifics. I mean, that it's oh, available oh. As, a, as a channel, but not about results. Okay, so results is four to six books. Wow. Okay, when I take an author in, we're talking 20 books. Nice. 25 books, nice. you know, selling out whatever they have. That's the goal when we're in there. Yes. Well, the, the other thing that you're also providing is, and I talk about this a lot, the business, like we said, it's a business, and there are certain standards in whatever you're providing and whatever you're pitching and your media um, documents that, that you've created, your media kit items. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because so, so many authors, I think, come into a situation where they, they think they know or maybe they know a little to be dangerous and they've wasted money <laughs> on things and it's so much oh. better to start oh, yeah. with someone who really knows what the industry standard yeah. is. Well, I think um, uh, for standard, for example, six by nine book is not a standard. By the way, people, stop doing it. And if you do it, it unless you are a big boy and you're coming out with a hardcover, like when you've got a, um, a dust jacket on it, like New York will do with their f very frontline people. It says, I'm an amateur. <laughs> so, so don't do six by nine. What is five, the standard? Five, yeah. Five by eight, five and a half by eight and a half. Okay. That's the standard. Mm -hmm. And, um, and paper is pretty standard. One of the old myths was that they didn't think, you know, um, libraries or book reviewers didn't want, um, uh, paper, nonsense, such nonsense mm -hmm. um, when that gets stuck in the, in the belief system. So what is what is really important is you have a, a book cover that rings. And um, and this is where, you, you know, that's one of your investments. You know, and I always, when I work with clients and I do a proposal, you know, that, that my fees are always separate, but I go through and I identify this is, this is what the range is going to be for your book cover design, your interior design. This is what you're printing. This is what the outside editor is going to do. This is what your ebook's going to cost, that kind of thing. So they really have an idea that, and anyone who comes in says, oh, yeah, we're going to publish your book for 497 What a bunch of BS. And it's going to look like that. Um, and for putting that in, uh, that it, it, to create a product, it takes, it takes time. Um, to develop that. So what's really important to understand about book cover, a book cover is really designed to say, yoo-hoo, pick me up, look me over. Okay. So um, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to, can I do a brag? Sure. Here? Absolutely. Please do. Okay. So this is my latest publishing book. This is called The Author's Walk, Finding and Using Your Voice to Create Publishing Success. I wish to God I'd had this book when I started. 
I Love wish that. That, uh, this and this is my last book I'm writing for authors, it, at least as of today. All right, so this is <laughs> the last book. Okay, but but the beach is a big thing. Water is a big thing for me, and it's a walk. So and then the color purple is definitely my thing. Um, on that. So, but it's just meant pick it up, big bold, pick it up. Your real sales happens here, and this is where. You need an editor who has got good copywriting skills comes into play. You have a, a headline, and this is where the punch. So where this is the pick me up, all right. It, this the the subtitle is the promise that is within the cover. Mm-hmm. Always remember that for nonfiction, everybody. All right. So this one, the headline is every walk has a first step. For aspiring authors, it starts here. So I use I use quick bullets. Um, that go across, you know, I love doing that. And, um, the, the author's walk and, and it, and it's a very different, my, my, my editor usually for nonfiction didn't get it because the style was so different from the way I normally, okay, I'm a how to, you got a problem? I'll show you how to fix it. Mm-hmm. This is more about inspiration to keep you going. Or if you've lost your mojo, how to get it rejuicelated. <laughs> so you can keep you know keep it going. So um, that it those are you know wh- what I look at. So a, a great cover. Spend get you don't have to spend five thousand dollars, people, um, but get a good, really good cover in place. So it says pick me up. And by the way, if you think that that a designer is going to read your book, think again. They don't read it. If you think a bookstore is going to read your book, think again. What they do is look at the cover. Mm-hmm. You know, just they look at the co- is it does it say pick me up? Does it say grab me? Um, and right. and then your back cover copy is what sells your book. This is a three to seven second look. This is twenty to forty seconds. Back to, back How here. about it? Okay. Yeah, right. and I'll I'll put, so, I'll put both pictures in the uh, show notes so folks who are listening know what we're talking about. So that was the the front and the back of Judith's book. She's talking about okay. there. So I, I think a bookmark is a really good idea. Um, as you put them into play, I can still, you know, the the well, historical fiction. This is book one. I think it's really important if you're going to get a series going. They look like the a family. Look. Yep. Right? right. And pay attention to your spine. They yep. look like a family again. Yes. Very, very important to do that. Now, so when we did, I, I like to use bookmarks. And so the bookmark, you know, again, I had this design. I do not do this stuff myself. I have people who will design it. So this would be for book, you know, book one. Mm-hmm. Well, that it. And this is book two. Yep. It's so a beautiful bookmark it, on both sides printed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so these you give out like candy. Throw it out. Right. You know. Right. And if you feel like there's a mistake... Throw them away and fix it. And people say, well, I have 500 more. I need to throw <laughs> them away. And <laughs> That's awesome. You're really Please getting pearls this. here, folks. I mean, and it's true. And these are all the little things that come up that people have mm-hmm. questions about as they're going through. And I love that you're sharing them and, and your, your expression about what is industry standard and what you know, folks expect to look at like what's going to what's going to, you know, ping me as an amateur. I mean, that's important. A mm-hmm. lot of authors really want to know that stuff. So if mm-hmm. they're start, if they start to work with you, well, let's let's make sure people know exactly where to find you. And that is uh, you can find Judith at her website, thebookshepherd.com. And how easy it is to how easy is it to get started with you? It's easy peasy. Well, on the homepage of my website, it says, let's chat and you have my phone number. (laughs) Um, And one of my button posters, let me just say this about all your websites. I know a lot of people, I don't want to give my home address. I mean, I have my address. You can mail me. Um, I have my phone number. You can call me. I've got my email. You can email me. Please don't hide it. Make it difficult. And and I'm also coming from the speaking side of field where I, you know, I've done events where I bring in other speakers and I do that kind of thing. And it pisses me off if I can't find you. 
I'm with you 100%. That drives me nuts. If I, if I see somebody who could be a potential guest and I'm like, wait a minute, where do I find? And it, you're like, I guess I can't. I don't can't spend this much time trying to find you. Yeah. Exactly. So, I, you know, I want to find you or I may want to hire you. So people usually call and I'll set up a short time to talk with them. I know pretty quick if I have an interest in somebody. Um, and also, you know, for those of you who do any coaching, um, any consulting or whatever, you know, you don't have to take everybody. Right. Um, you know, I know certain people who are going to be right. If it'll be fun, I will let them know really pretty quickly. Um, and, and you know, what kind of sample? I always want to know what you tell me about your book. And by God, people, if you can't tell me what your book is about in 10 words, you're in trouble. Yes. I don't care what happened to bring you here to this event at this point. I'll find out. But you've got to do that connection um, with, so I am going to say, hey, tell me more. Tell me more. You've got to learn how to pitch yourself. Um, and that what brought you to this amazing change in your life. Um, I'll find that out. That will happen. And, you know, I'm blunt. But I, I am very blunt. You're people. kidding. You're kidding. What? And <laughs> <laughs> um, going, I want them to succeed. Um, and I've also told my clients, I better not care more about your book than you do. <laughs> You know, you know, we're we're on this journey together um, and to bring it about. So, you know, when I push back, you know, and, and if I'm co-writing, a lot of times I work with people just like you and I are doing this on a Zoom call that we will share a Zoom screen. I, I have got the manuscript. I am starting my rewrites with them. So they are we are live. You don't I don't take your manuscript and then give it back to you a month later. That, that we're going to do it and we're going through this chapter by chapter. So that it's important that I understand your voice. It's important that you understand your voice. Um, and that if I am going to be fixing and working with you, I want to be putting things in that sound like you. And I will ask, does this sound like you? Does this feel right? Are these the right words um, on that? Or would some, especially beginning writers, they'll, um, there's no, uh, I, I become the color person for you, you know, like in sports, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. you know, you're color throwing man, out the facts, yeah. but I'm going to, I want to know more. Yes. So what did, what did it feel like when she betrayed you that way? Right. You know, were you happy? Right. Were you angry? How angry were you? What did you feel like? Right. I remember Claudine one time and someone, people loved it when I did the radio interview on my book, Women in Sabotage. And um, I, I said, you know, I used to drive up and down. I lived in Northern California at the time. And there was this beautiful, beautiful freeway called 280. And when I was driving between San Francisco down to Palo Alto to get home, I used to imagine my former partner. <laughs> flames, hundreds of feet in the air. And if you can, if you can write and carry me there. Whether in going back to the senses, that smelling, that visual, you know, that feeling, that all of that, you will become a much better writer early on instead of learning it. Right. Um, you know, tripping through and saying, well, so what was it like? Just how dirty were those streets? How big were their rocks that they climbed over? What, you know, how, how bad did he smell? Um, um, and get into that. It's just so important. So that's one of the things I bring to the party. So sure. going back, how do you get a hold of me? Go to my website, thebookshepherd.com. Yes. Or you can email me at Judith at Bryles, B-R-I-L-E-S.com. Or you can just call me, 303-885-2207. If I'm not on the phone with a client, I will pick it up and say hello. If sometimes when I'm on and I see it's coming in and it doesn't say spam call, how about you bet you all have those too? Um, that or or telemarketer, that's the one I see a lot. Um, I may pick up and say hello and just say, Can I call you back? And I write it down. I always have pads of paper by me at all times. You know, I always have a pad of paper and um, and usually a pencil in my hand or a pen <laughs> in my hand. Um, that I can write down and take a note really quick. And then I'll get back to you. 
How about so. it? Yeah, folks, that's something that uh, doesn't happen pretty often. It takes a long, it, it, sometimes it's really hard to find how to get in touch with someone and then you're waiting. And it's usually the email because nobody likes to talk on the phone anymore for some reason. I don't know why, but they just don't. I guess it's just easier right. to email. And the, and the problem with email is there are the gremlins out there. Right. And there are firewalls and your email never may never have gone through. Right. Um, and then you're right. feeling a little pissy because oh, they didn't call back or they didn't right. do that. Or, right. Um, people are always surprised when they hear me answer the phone. Yes. Um, and, and, and say, and I'll, or I'll get it when I respond back. I, I had a guy from Italy who contacted me a couple of days ago. Nice. And, and I responded and I said, you know, I know who referred you and, you know, <laughs> you know we miss her here. Um, and, and, and I'd love to talk to you about your book. So, you know, give me some options and we'll set up a Zoom call. He was shell-shocked that I responded within like 12 hours to nice. him. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, it's rare and it's great. I, I just want to go back to something that you were describing. The the book, you kind of compared and, and, and put in the same category the writing. We were talking about book marketing and then you went right into writing and the and the description and it, and it seems to me that they they seem to people that they're not connected at all. I mean, we talked about business. We talked with, with the marketing, and it's new, and it's a discipline and all this. But I find that writing and marketing, they really do have a lot in common. What do you, what do you think? Well, if you can't write some marketing copy, you're in trouble. If you can't come up with a headline that has the hook to lure people in, I mean, these companies, every company, big companies spend millions of dollars for their taglines, their slogans, their jingles. Um, And we're talking about a headline that goes on your back cover that would hook your your potential reader right away. So writing and marketing do go hand in hand. And I also think that the moment, of course, you know, you're all going to vomit when I say this, (laughs) the moment you use (laughs) <laughs> the moment you start writing, you should be thinking uh, marketing. Um, and, and so who who am I writing for? I've always told people that, you know, we all get stuck at different times. Or, or you're trying, you're in a dilemma which way you're going to go, whether your storyline or how you're going to present this fix idea you have. That I, I think you need to bring your imagery up. Um, John and I just watched, John's my husband, the Queen's Gamut the other night, mm-hmm. um, who is a chess player. And if you ever watch The Good Doctor, he's visualizing the internal organs he's going to operate on. And she's, you know, visualizing her 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 chess moves. That if you will just revisualize your ideal reader. Yes. Who is that? Yes. Okay. What are their problems? Where do they go play? What are their naughty things that they do? Um, what do they eat? What do they do for fun? What do they, you know, have a talk with them. I have sometimes talked to, to myself, but I'm, I'm, I'm working it out, verbalizing what I'm trying to do to maybe bring myself back on track. And, and I find that that's it's one of the ways to get unstuck, but it could be, now let's go back to who are you writing for? And if you think, oh, everyone needs my book, you're full of nonsense. Um, that the I've always said the more you niche your market, the bigger the market can become. It is so much easier to be the whale in the pond than the sardine in the sea. <laughs> um, and the sardine is your loss. There's a gazillion people. You know, before Claudine and I started, I told her when I first started my podcast, there were 800 podcasters. I don't know how many gazillions of them are now. Yes. A lot. Yes. A lot. Yes, and most podcasts don't last more than three months. Is that right? I didn't know that statistic. Yeah. Okay. Yep. They die. Well, because they're work. Yeah. So is marketing. All right. So with that said, that, um, you know, how, where, where does your, your ideal reader, where do they hang out? What do they like to do for fun? You know, what you would love to do is develop and get into a line of what we call super fans. Because you're writing for them. Because mm-hmm. guess what? When they get your book, they tell others about your book. They become your marketing shout out. So um, writing right away. So who am I writing this for? And it, it could be for you. Maybe you're doing therapy. I understand that too. 
So it could be just a very small book. It could be a, what we call a legacy book, or it could be no major. I know that I'm going to go back to a book I talked about where I was managing my former partner who stole a million dollars from me. Oh, no. Um, blowing on the freeway. Okay. Um, that I knew it was a big book. I, I always felt this is a big book. It was the first, it was the pioneering book on why women undermine other women. Mm. And what, what was and the I title took, of that? I think I saw that on your website. I wanted to ask you about it. It, it was called Woman to Woman from Sabotage to Support. Sabotage. The year was 1980. Great sabotage. word. Sabotage. Oh, Sabotage. Yeah, I used Great that word. one for the uh, healthcare. That was the last book I wrote for the healthcare industry. Um, that I was on all the shows, all, all, everything, the Oprah's, the Donahue's, the National Enquirer, the Wall Street Journal, People Magazine, four-page spread. I was everywhere. Now, I was rejected by every publisher. How about it? Every William Morris said, I can't really believe this. Every publisher rejected it. We ended up going with a, a tiny, independent because I knew, because I didn't know anything about publishing. I didn't know how to do this stuff myself. Um, and I didn't want to go with a vanity press because, ooh, taped, you know, <laughs> which I still feel. Um, that um, and we, we went with this publisher, and I had to learn how to do all the marketing because they were a little guy. Right. And I learned how to market it. Um, and get on. I remember one time being on a, a stage. Remember Phil Donahue? Sure. You, I you, do. Okay. Yep. So, right. So he was my favorite. I loved Phil Donahue. I was on him many, many times. And um, he, we were talking, and after the show, he came up to me and says, I need to have you stay on the stage. The audience so wants to talk to you. How Can about you just it? stay? How about it? And I don't know what your schedule is. Would you just stay with right. us? Could you, you know, even give us another hour? Yes. Sure. Why yeah. not? Yeah. So, but on this on that stage, there the woman who was the um, publisher of Working Woman magazine, the woman who was the publisher, I think it was Ladies Home Journal. Um, there was like four of them, and they were all. It was it was get Judith, um, because they felt I had written something that should not have been written. Um, and I did a national study. This was my doctorate work, by the way. Hmm. Um, and I did it, um, and it really came out not good for women. Yeah. And it, and, and, and here is my hook. Okay. My hook that I use. Contrary to popular belief, men don't discriminate. How many words is that? Contrary to popular belief, men don't discriminate. Seven words. Yep. And then I shut up. Mm-hmm. And they looked at me. Now, the look said, what? And then I would say, women do. Mm. Okay, okay, now we're into the tell me more. We're going back and talking about pitching and marketing. Right. Tell me more. And I said, in our national study, we found that, and then I could now talk. Now I have permission to tell what my work is. Yes. Um, and doing it. The, I think it was um, Ladies Home Journal accused me of manipulating my data for my study for the um, dissertation. And the dissertation, and they did it out front um, to their credit, because then I could take it from there. Um, uh, they did it out front and not behind the scenes because our study also showed if a woman was to be a saboteur, she was more likely to be covert where men would just say, Hey, tomorrow at one, babe, you're going down. Get yeah. ready. Okay. So where she would say, I love your earrings. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with that said, um, <laughs> Oh, I can't, I, is, I hope this book is still available because I got to get I, this it, book. It, it's, Oh, it's probably old. You know, I keep thinking I should go back, but you know, I'm, well, let me come back to when do you decide to go back and repurpose and then decide to support an old book? Um, and that it, it, I just said to them, they said they thought they manipulated the study I did. And the study was on ethics. Do women undermine other women? That was the, my dissertation topic. Um, and that the uh, I just said, you know, if you'd like, I will give you all my data. 
I'll give you my survey, of which has been used many times with other studies now. Nice. Um, that, and and why don't you send it out to your, you know, your readers? Yes. To their credit, they took me on. They did it. Eight months later, I was reading USA Today, and they said the study revealed by the you know the Ladies Home Journal parallels the work of Dr. Judith Bryles. How about it? So, ta-da! Yeah, exactly. How about it? That is so interesting. Well, you- but it, you know, you're vulnerable. I think all of your, you know, all of you authors, you need to understand you're vulnerable. There are some people who are going to love your work. Some people are not. You're going to be indifferent. Some people will say um, it's crap. Uh, that my experiences over these years, now I've been publishing since 1981, that my experience is when you get the, oh, it's crap or whatever, there's another factor in there, and it's called envy. Yeah, we call those haters, Judith. Yeah. yeah. The haters. Yeah, you, you know, you wrote it, and I didn't. Um, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it happens. But I love this. I publishing, love it. So- Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Publishing is a great walk. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm glad I'm on it. I love that I get to work with people who have amazing stories, amazing stories that I get to help them bring them out. So much fun. Yes. And and I love that you help them with all aspects of this. You're, you're, you're mm-hmm. like a psychologist, too. I mean, there's so many things that come oh, yeah, out, right? That's true. <laughs> oh. <laughs> But it oh, is. It's the it's oh, the yeah. human condition. I mean, it's really when you when you write a book and your message is so important to you, it, it really is so much a part of who you are. Whether it's a story or nonfiction, it's it really mm-hmm. is so much of who you are. So it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being there for authors and for giving your time with us and giving us so much information to think about uh, as as we go on our book marketing journey, but also as a great resource. So you can find um, Dr. Judith Bryles on her website, thebookshepherd.com, her podcast, very popular. You can listen to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing podcast. Thank you so much, Judith, for being with us. And I hope you'll come back. I would love to come back and play with you again. Awesome. You know, all, always fun. And and everyone, happy writing, you know, and, and just, you know, get your story out. Maybe if it's just for you and your cat. It's okay. <laughs> get it out. That's a great message to end on. Thank you so much, Judith. You're welcome. And you are listening to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. You have been listening to Get Your Book Seen and Sold with Claudine Wolk. Thanks for listening. And remember to share and subscribe to my Substack, Get Your Book Seen and Sold, at claudinewalk.substack.com. With paid subscriptions, some less than $5 a month, you will have access to all of my resource-filled posts and podcasts, plus a fill-in-the-blank book marketing plan that you can download. At the highest subscription level, you will also get a 30-minute consult with me. When you are ready to make some decisions about your book, subscribe today, and let's come up with a plan.